0: Yeah, tell tell me a story.
1: All right. I will tell you the story about how I somehow landed in a role as a classical music announcer on a radio station. Um, <laughs> I'm a big music fan. I mean, you know that. I love almost all kinds of music. And from a young age, I loved classical music. My mom always listened, and I would go to the symphony as a teenager and, and always loved it. I could never play an instrument though. I just don't have the discipline. It just never was something I embraced. Um, But tons of respect for people who can love what they create. You know, I was, I was a a listener of, of all kinds of music. And I think it was my late twenties or early thirties. I started volunteering at a, a reading service for the, what was then called blind and dyslexic. It's called sun sounds of Arizona. So it's a service where, we would go in and read publications for anyone who either, you know, couldn't read or hold print material. So my job at Sun Sounds or my volunteer job was reading the USA today. And it was a two hour shift and I was paired up with somebody who was in the radio business. And so we just got to talking and he said, yeah, you should try it. And I thought, Oh yeah, sure. I'm (laughs) I'm sure I would get hired right away with no musical experience and no radio experience. But kind of fluky. He was working at the radio station and an opening came up. He introduced me to the music director. um, And it was interesting. So the day I went in to interview for the job was, um, it was in 2005. It was in July. It was the day the London subway bombings happened. And the classical music station shares a space with the news station. So they're all NPR member stations um and right next to each other so you can imagine walking into that environment that morning um was pretty you know intense but we proceeded with the interview and um <laughs> the music director put me in a in a booth gave me a script um like a playlist of a typical playlist for an evening shift and said yeah just read this record it and then I'll listen to it and I was like um how do I work the equipment? (laughs) And how do I pronounce all of these names? He left me alone to my own devices. I did what I could to read the playlist. I'm sure I butchered half of the composer names, the soloist names, whatever. Called him back in. He listened to it and said, great. When can you start? And I was just floored. I didn't even ask like how much my, you know, what I would get paid. I didn't care. I was like, I will do this. I don't care. Give me any shift. I can't believe this is happening. So yeah, within a week, I was in the studio getting trained to be live on the air by myself, uh, you know, sharing the joy of classical music with KBOX listeners.
0: (laughs) What was your first shift?
1: I got the Saturday night six to 11 shift. Uh, it was a, a night where generally I was playing, you know, CDs. I was playing music from CDs. Again, it was 2005. I'm sure they they're digital now, but there were times of the year where I would play a, a, a pre-recorded program called the Fabulous Fritz. It was organ music from the um, Arizona State University music program. I would I would just enjoy my time in the studio, listening and reading about the music I was playing. There's just so much to understand and you know context in terms of like what's happening what happened in history at that time and all the different relationships um, that you know led to people composing the music so yeah so
0: I guess what would a listener like what are they kind of you know sitting at home what are they kind of expecting from the classical DJ yeah
1: <laughs> yeah a lot of I think just um, providing some interesting stories about the music. You know, for me, not being trained in music, I, I couldn't really speak to a lot of the complexities of the the music. Um what I liked were just sort of the the human side of the music and the sort of pop culture side of the music. I, you know, a lot of people will say classical music is losing its audience. It's not relevant anymore. And and I was like, no 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 I beg to differ. Like it's great music. But if it's not accessible, you, you know, yeah, you'll you'll lose listeners. Um, so my hope was to explain the music in ways that people like me, who don't have this extensive background in music, could understand. And so, you know, whether it was saying, oh, this is the piece that you heard in the British Airways commercials, or, you know, just something kind of curious about the composer or the ballet, or, you know, whatever the music. I would just try to find something of general interest. So I think sometimes people can be a little bit elitist. I think people who are super into it and they are trained, they feel like, oh, I don't want to listen to Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. That's my favorite. You know, because it's so pedestrian. And I'm thinking, well, it's pedestrian because it's really good. And, you know, that's what people want to hear. I mean, it's I guess it's like Stairway to Heaven, you know, It's you know you've heard them a million times. It doesn't make them any less good. It just makes them very familiar. So
0: yeah, you you see that with a lot of those. I'm I'm thinking of classical music. I'm thinking of poetry. I'm thinking of dance, Mm -hmm. where there is an element of I think there's a barrier there of people that say I just don't get it. When that's not necessarily the problem. You don't have to get it. You know, so you just can enjoy it. It's possible just to enjoy it. So I'm curious if did you have a voice? Did you have an on-air voice, or was <laughs> did you just kind of stick with your own?
1: Uh, I stuck with my own. It's funny people would ask that a lot. Um, you know, they would say, "Oh, do you do you talk like Delilah?" Like, no, I I just would speak in this voice. Um, you know, a lot of the technology, um, the really technical stuff. When you when you look at the big control board, there's all these levers and buttons and slides and all. I don't even know the names of those things, but I knew how to work enough to make the music come out on the other end. Um, But there are settings on the microphone. And so the music director listened to me just speaking like I am now and made some adjustments on the mic so that, I don't know, maybe it just mellowed out my voice or maybe it made it more clear. I'm not sure what it did, but I would make sure those settings were set and then I would go on air. So no just no, and no stage name. I was Susan Mulligan, your classical companion. I would I would joke that my my DJ name was DJ Legato, which legato means smooth. So <laughs> that was the best I could come up with. <laughs> yeah. So how long did you do this? I did it for 7 years. Always part-time. And, you know, always in addition to my day job. So eventually I picked up Wednesday nights as well. So I had the two evening shifts and it was fun. I mean, I you know, brought my daughters in with me one night, I think it was a New Year's Eve shift I worked, and um I, I took the liberty of allowing them to go on air with me at midnight because at the top of every hour we would have to do a station ID. And so um as I was logging off at I think it was eleven, um, they were there with me and, um, I just said, you know, they chimed in and we all said, happy new year. And then I turned off the mic and we went home and nobody said I shouldn't have done that. So it was fun.
0: <laughs> How long do you think it took you
1: before, like you could relax
0: a little bit and actually just have fun with it?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. That is a really good question. I think to for me to like consistently have fun, <laughs> probably a year or two, um, you know, I think that there were moments where I would think like, I got this, I know what I'm doing. And then, um, and then something new would come up or, or maybe, you know, I I would get the occasional, um, disgruntled, uh, listener call where somebody would say, you pronounce this wrong, or where'd you come from? Who are you? You know, that would kind of chip away a little bit, but ultimately I, I, it was, you know, I heard positive things and, yeah, it was, it it was, it was a process. We'll say that.
0: To kind of wrap it up, what, what, any lessons learned? What did you kind of take away from
1: that experience? You know, it was terrifying. Um, when I first went on the air, I thought, you know, you, that term imposter syndrome, I felt like, Oh my God, how am I going to tell the listeners something they don't already know? I just got over it. I, I think it was a really good thing for me just to sort of, let go and attempt. It took me a while, but to quell that inner voice that you know would I'd beat myself up if I I mispronounced a word. Um, so I think it just helped me um, help me with public speaking, but also just helped me be a little bit more forgiving of my lack of expertise in an area. Um, you know, I didn't have to be an expert to have fun at it, and I didn't have to be an expert for people to enjoy hearing me and my anecdotes, the anecdotes I would share because they were different from what the other announcers would, would share. So it was fun.